0: Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit
1: rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
0: Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shield Kapati here. Bonus episode. A uh, fun one for you today. We've got on one of our favorites, EJ Smith of The Enquirer. He'll get us caught up on what's happening at the Nova Care Complex as the Eagles prepare for this Monday night football matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs and then in the second segment we're mixing in a little stickers Chris Ryan the great Chris Ryan jumps on uh to talk about what did we see this week two lot back to back losses are we panicking are we feeling good about this team what's going on with that Kelly Oubre story uh we get into all of that in the second segment but it's Eagles Chiefs it's a Super Bowl matchup we got to start off with the birds EJ my friend how are we doing
2: I'm doing well Sheila I appreciate you having me not just because it's always an honor to be on the podcast but also as a as a writer yourself I think you'll understand like having the seven o'clock not to pull people behind the curtain too much but having like a set time like I got to be all done all my stuff by the time that the podcast comes around Mm. you know that deadline really gets your your blood pumping you know it's what I needed honestly after the bye week to get me get me back in the swing of things. (laughs)
0: you got to have a deadline. If you don't have a specific time where you need something to be uh, finished by, and, you know, I I write online, so this is my issue. I'm usually like, yeah, I'll get it in at, you know, 8 o'clock, and then it's, you know, 8.15, and I'm sending a message. Just need, you know... Thirty more minutes, and it's eight forty-five. Just you know, two more things. I'm finishing yep. up. So, uh, I, I, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm with you. you. You need the hard deadline. Where no, no, I have to do something. Kids help with this too. For me, it's like no, no, yeah. I have to pick <laughs> up my daughter at four. I gotta be finished uh, at that time. So I completely understand that, especially after the bye week. All right, let's just get start with. I mean, you were down there, right? And then we heard from what Nick Sirianni. Jalen Hurts. I don't know if there was any injury news. Just get us caught up uh, on kind of the the news of the day down at the Novacare Complex.
2: Yeah, so I think the thing that everyone is most curious about is how does Jalen Hurts' knee feel? And obviously, Jalen is is pretty uh, you know cagey with information about injuries, and you know isn't really the you know it's a it's an old joke my old uh, colleague Bob Ford used to make like. Just once, I wish an athlete would come in and be like, you know, guys, like my knee is really hurting me today. Or, you know, like <laughs> you know, just give you that uh, refreshing honesty. But that's not really Jalen's mantra. Uh, but today, you could definitely tell he was maybe a little bit of higher spirits. I I saw that uh, John Clark tweeted that Jalen Hurts smiled at his press conference, and that was like, you know, that was like a big deal. And I was like, man, are we Breaking really got to a point. Yeah, yeah, Jalen Hurts <laughs> smiled like that. We've gotten to that point, but. And, you know, to be to be fair, I didn't notice the smile. I mean, there's a picture of it, so it happened, but it was fleeting uh, <laughs> if there was a smile. Um, but he did mention, you know, before the bye week, he said selfishly it couldn't have come at a better time for him. Um, and I think, you know, today he reiterated that. It couldn't have come at a better time. His knee feels a lot better. Uh, your former colleague, Tim McManus, actually pointed out that he didn't have a knee sleeve on, um, and Jalen confirmed mm-hmm. that he didn't have a brace or a sleeve on at practice. And kind of like acknowledge like that's a sign of progress for him and his knee. So uh, especially with the way that Jalen was playing as a passer, you know, kind of limited in the running game, just when he was restricted to being more of a pass first type of player. Like, I mean, the way he was playing to think about him, adding the scrambling, uh, you know, aspect to his game back during the stretch, I think it could be huge for the team. So um, he definitely seems like he's a lot better, you know, a lot, you know, um, you know, further along in his rehab process or healing process on the knee. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing I took away from today. And it, just in general, I think the Eagles were healthier. Um, you know, Bradley Roby was back at practice. He was a full participant. Cam Juergens was a full participant, which is huge for the, the offensive line in this running game. Um, You know, you could kind of tell like during practice, like th- two weeks ago, Cam Juergens like was running with like the twos during individual drills. Like, well, it, it was obviously he what they weren't really expecting to have him back. Um, but today he was running with Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey in the individual drills. You know, you could tell it looks like he's, he's on track to play. Um, and Grant Calcaterra came back, too, which is important with Dallas Goddard out. Um, you know, that's the other big story from today, I think, and I think we'll get to it later. But the, the Goddard injury, you know, guys were talking about, how they're going to compensate for that injury. You know, Nick Sirianni talked about it a little bit. We heard from some of the tight ends. So yeah, that's kind of the, the, the overall picture of what we got at Novacare today. It was good to get back in the building yeah. and kind of get a, a sense of what's going on with the team.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Like Hertz's knee is the biggest story for the second half of the season. It's, it's when that game starts on Monday night what my my eyes are going to be like all right is does he look better and it's it's yeah. not scientific the eye test but you know you watch a guy and we've seen him at full speed like just watching um that Super Bowl film this week and some of his runs there and it's like it was a it was a reminder like all right that's not what it's looked like athletically him so far this season can he get some of that back it doesn't mean you have to run him 17 times against the Chiefs in week 11 if he's better but like you said it could be a scramble here and there it could be uh he keeps on a zone read in a high leverage situation in the red zone uh little things like that so um that that really yeah that that's the big thing to see when you say all right they got the bye he said the bye was going to help him he seems to be in better spirits now. Now, what does it look like uh, when a game starts? So yeah, I'm curious about that too. What what's the Sirianni thing? Were you you were you there for the Sirianni press conference? I was, yeah. What's what's this thing about? He's going to he's following Andy Reid's advice <laughs> and going to a, the same hotel. What, can you clue me in? Because I've only seen bits and pieces. I don't really understand uh, what's going on with that thing.
2: Yeah, so I know I've, I've already dropped a lot of shameless or, you know, a lot of plugs for my colleagues here. But uh, <laughs> my colleague, Jeff McLean at the Inquirer, you know, you subscribe to the Inquirer, you get his content, you get my content. He wrote about this last year that uh, Nick goes up to New York City and like, you know, does a few of the things that Andy does, used to do when he was with the Eagles. You know, he goes up and sees a show. He stays at the Marquee in New York City, which is a fancy hotel there. That Andy used to stay in. There was a few. I think there was a question today about whether or not uh, he stays in the same room as Andy, which I think would be a little <laughs> creepy. Um, I don't think that they're going that far. <laughs> um, but no, I, I know that you know Nick goes up to New York and kind of does like the Andy Reid, you know, relax, rest and relaxation, uh, you know, getaway type of type of trip. I think that the Eagles kind of put him onto that. Um, it's something that you know he's picked up from Andy. And listen. I mean, Andy's record coming off of bye weeks is, you know, well known. It is, unqu- it's like unchallengeable at this point. Um, you know, it's like a fact that he's good at off coming off of the bye. But, you know, Nick will say that they're good coming off of the bye under his tenure, too. It's obviously a smaller tenure. Um, but, you know, I, I think because we talked about this today, too. Like Nick considers the like playoff bye, like the first round bye. He considers that like a, an applicable bye week in terms of how the, his team does. After a bye week. Um, he does not get a, consider the Super Bowl an, an applicable bye week, probably because of all that goes into it. Um, so yeah, I think Jeff had it today. I think that Nick's three and zero coming off of bye weeks, if you count the first round bye, uh, from last year. So yeah, I mean, listen, I think again, it's going to take Nick probably a decade to get the, the Andy Reid respect coming off of the bye. But yeah, there's definitely, he's definitely trying to recreate some of the juju, I would say. <laughs>
0: Football coaches just crack me up. You know, it's like, like yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. It's like the most basic thing you can do. Listen, I like doing that. I like going to New York and I, I like going to a Broadway show. <laughs> hmm, what am I going to do with this one week? The one time I, you know, will spend time with my family. Say, hey, let's go to a Broadway show. Yeah, what a great idea. Let's let's go uh, do this. So that's funny that he goes same hotel. So that's the routine. I never knew that. That's that's good report from Jeff. I never knew Andy Reid did that um, yeah. with his with his biweeks when he was in philadelphia so uh so that's interesting all right that's the news of the day let's move let's look ahead a little bit so i have like a series of you know questions topics here i wanted to get your input on as we look at not only to this game but also to the second half of the season and you touched on some of this already with just guys who are healthy but post by personnel questions let's just like knock them out one by one and i want to hear what you think the eagles are going to do so Slot corner is obviously a big one. Sidney Brown was playing early downs. Eli Ricks was coming in in passing situations. I don't know how many guys have played slot corner for them uh, at this point, but you mentioned it. Bradley Roby um, appears to be getting healthy. Is... How are you viewing this? Are you expecting like Monday night, Bradley Roby, just plug him in. He's your, he's your nickel on first, second, and third down, whatever, when you're in nickel, and don't worry about uh, switching guys in and out. Do you think he replaces Ricks and just comes in on uh, passing situations? Do you think it's something different? Kind of give me um, just sort of what your feel is for what they're going to do with that slot corner position going forward.
2: So the only thing I'm certain of is that they – well, that I would bet on at least is like they will not just have one plan if that's my – if I had to guess. Like if there's anything that we know about Sean Desai, it's like that he will throw stuff against the wall and see what works. You know, he's not afraid to adjust. Now, like the, the biggest thing that I'm curious about, and I haven't been able to talk to James Bradbury yet this week, but I'm curious if like the James Bradbury in the slot experiment comes back up this week, you know? When we talked, you know, before on this podcast, I remember one of the times I was on before. We yeah, talked about this. this specific type of matchup, you know, where it's like, uh, you know, an elite tight end, and especially against the Chiefs, like a, a team that doesn't have a ton of receiving talent. You know, do you try and get James Bradbury lined up in the slot against Travis Kelsey in high leverage moments? You know, especially in those high leverage moments. So I'm curious if Bradbury kind of gets some looks in there. Um, listen, I mean, they really trust Eli Rex. You know, like. Uh, and like, every time I talk to him, I come away impressed with how smart he is and you know, how he's wired. Uh, I think that they probably took that trust a little bit too far (laughs) against CD lamb, uh, you know, and even the week before against, you know, Terry McLaren's a good receiver too. So like, you know, I think that they trust him a little bit too much in some, in some instances, like he, this guy's still an undrafted rookie free agent who, you know, like you're asking him to cover some of the best receivers in the world. It's, it's a little bit of an, uh, in a position that he hadn't played, you know, in college. So, um, I think you still might see Eli Ricks, though. You know, I think that the the fact that they trust him so much is telling. And yeah, I mean, I to me, I think that that slot receiver position, I I could see Bradley Roby eventually taking it over and just being the guy. But especially like, I think that they they could find success. Well, I mean, not find success, but I think that there is isn't It's intriguing to see like a couple of different guys in there for different situations. You know, like I like Sidney Brown in the slot on early downs. Like I think that him coming downhill against the run, like. That's a really good use of his skill set. Now, like when you get to in the fourth quarter, when you're up two scores, you probably shouldn't have Sidney Brown on the field anymore because, you know, you might not trust him in coverage as much. And that's where I think Bradley Roby really comes in. That's where I think Eli Ricks would come in. And yeah, in this specific matchup, I am curious to see if James Bradbury goes in the slot there. I mean, I'm curious if like the experiment from earlier in the season is like reason for them to never go back to it. Or if it's like we're we're putting this on the back burner, but we know we can get to it when we need to. Because if I were, you know, if it were me, I'd probably put Bradbury on Travis Kelsey this week. You know, again, like it's not like the Chiefs have, you know, a wide array of receivers who could beat you. I would trust Josh Job or Eli Ricks on the outside against this group more than I would trust, you know, Eli Ricks against Travis Kelsey on a third down with the game on the line. So, um, yeah, I think that there are going to be multiple, you know, looks that they probably throw at. At the Chiefs, I think they're going to try and figure out what works. But yeah, I think that Bradbury is probably, in, in my opinion, I think he's the best option there.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I remember we had that conversation. It was probably in August, and it was like, oh, yeah, Bradbury's taking some reps here in the slot. What's that for? And, yeah, you were all over it. You were, you were saying maybe for a matchup just like this one. I think you're right. You know, Bradbury did not look great in the slot earlier this season, but like Travis Kelsey is different than if a fatigue. Like, D.D. Lamb or Stefan Diggs, you know, like it's it's a different matchup than those guys. And Bradbury is a big uh, physical corner. Uh, He's not the fastest guy. I think you could argue that maybe his speed has, you know, even this year has been kind of more of an issue than it was last year. But again, for this specific matchup, like, yeah, if you're doubling and it's Bradbury and someone else, and now a lot of that goes into, well, you know, do they know the rules and the leverage of how they want to double? And if they're playing Zoe? so there's a lot of stuff going into it. I'm not saying it's as simple as you two, um, you know, cover this guy and you have it covered, but yeah, I'm interested to see that too. I don't think that's a bad plan uh, at all. And it'll be interesting to see if the Eagles go to that. And Sydney Brown's an interesting player. You know, I, I'm with you. Like, man he made some plays when he's firing downhill and we saw he can hit uh that's kind of an element that i don't i'm trying to like they don't really there's nobody else like in the you know at linebacker or uh safety or corner really for them that brings that element so it's nice to have one guy uh, who does so i almost wonder if he's like a matchup to match up like his snap count like when you're playing the 49ers that could be a great guy to have on the field now when you're playing the chiefs Maybe you're like, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to have him uh, out there, but I do think he's an interesting player to keep an eye on here in the second half of the season, which kind of brings me to my uh, next question. Here's safety. Uh, Reed Blankenship, healthy, good. Kevin Byard hasn't exactly uh, lit it up uh, since he got to Philadelphia but it's a tough spot you join a new team and all of a sudden you're in the middle of a practice and then you go there uh you you know you're starting on Sunday and playing 100% of the snaps uh I did give the the number out uh during my WIP hit today with um you know Ike Reese and Jack Fritz that they were kind of like dumbfounded by where Bayard has played I think 512 defensive snaps and he hasn't gotten his hand on a pass like through the yeah. air, like no, no passes defended, no interceptions. He hasn't, he hasn't forced a fumble. He's touched the ball once and it's been on a fumble recovery. That's it. So they're like, wait, what? That can't be true. And I'm like, no, no, that is that is true here. So um what are your kind of expectations for that group? Are you bullish that, all right, Bayard gets some time here to learn the defense and he's going to play well down the stretch or are you kind of in a jury's out and we'll see what happens?
2: I'm definitely in the juries out. We'll see what happens. I think Reed is like, I think Reed, I think I've said it, you know, a bunch. Reed, I think Reed Blankenship is like a competent starter. I think he's been like one of their better, more consistent players when he's been healthy. Um, yeah, he's played really well. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of Bayern, I, I also noticed that stat when they traded for him. Uh, that he had no pass breakups and no interceptions. I didn't, I, I guess I knew in the back of my mind that, uh, that he hadn't had a pass breakup in the last two games, but that's good work by you to kind of put those two things together because I hadn't quite gotten there yet. Um, but no, I mean, listen, it's like, I don't think we're at a point now where we need to like sound the alarm on Kevin Byard, but I mean, it this also is a guy who like has never, like he's had di- different defensive coordinators, but he's never, he's played his whole career in one place. You know, he's never had to do something like this where he relocates and has to, you know, integrate into a new defense and a new scheme and a new city, a new team, all that stuff all at once. So I think that he's still, you know, an improvement over what they had before. And I think that, you know, they should be able to figure out how to make this defense work with Kevin Byard and Reed Blankenship on the back end. But, yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's a a good reminder that, like, he's not quite the player that, you know, he was two or three seasons ago where he was a ball hawk and, you know, somebody – who you could expect a lot of ball production from. Um, so yeah. I'd say the jury's still out on like that group being like a difference making group. But I do think that like, honestly, like what we've seen from the Eagles so far this year, like I think the formula for them is going to be to put up a lot of points and win games that way. You know, I think that they're, they are have, they have that big 12 team formula where it's not, I mean, and listen, like last year they won up games a lot of different ways this year. We haven't quite seen that as much, you know, it's been a lot of, especially in the last few weeks, it's been a lot of, the offense is going to be, you know, dominant and the defense is going to pick its spots. There's going to be moments where the defense really steps up. There's going to be moments where it doesn't, you know. So um, I think that Bayard, like, again, I don't think that I'm, like, concerned quite yet about him. But I do think that, like, you know, this is a tough situation for him to be in. I think when you look at the Eagles history of, like, trade deadline moves, some of those guys haven't worked out. And I think, you know, when you ask players about why that is – it's because they say it's like the unknown of like these guys having to integrate midseason. It's not, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that somebody's going to drop in and just play well right away, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it's fair. It is a tough spot for him. I don't, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I'm burying the guy. Uh, Now the Cowboys were, you know, they were hunting him though, you know, on like third down, like they're like, Ooh, let's get Jake Ferguson, uh, you know, matched up with Kevin Byard. And man, those those were reps that he was not winning. So I think he's just a player to watch here um, going forward. All right. Linebacker. N'Kobe Dean, I think Jeff McLean reported a a Liz Frank for uh N'Kobe Dean. So he's gonna be out for a while here. What do you think? Is it is it Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow? Is it uh Christian Ellis rotating in there? The other thought I had was like, do we see more dime coming out of the buy? Like so we mentioned Sidney Brown. I wouldn't mind a Sidney Brown out there with a Zach Cunningham in sort of a dime look, especially third and long, those type um, situations. What do you think? What How are they going to kind of play that? What are they going to do at off-ball linebacker?
2: Yeah, as intriguing as Christian Ellis was in training camp, I think that it's going to be Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Morrow as the two linebackers when they're in their 4-2 or, you know, their 5-2 or whatever those looks are. Um, you know, I think the dime stuff is interesting because it's like, I really do. I think that like if you're just looking at the Eagles run defenders in that like type of mold, you know, box defenders, I think you would rather have Sidney Brown out there than probably Christian Ellis or, you know, anyone else for that matter. Um, So, yeah, I think that they should be able to get creative with that type of stuff. You know, can you start having situations where you have Bradley Roby and Sidney Brown on the field together? I think against certain teams it'll work and against others it won't you know against the 49ers like we were talking yeah. about you probably want to be in five2 a lot of the time or four2 a lot of the time and you want Sydney Brown to be that nickel corner uh you know and kind of have that that physicality from that spot but yeah against the even especially against the Chiefs like could they have Sidney Brown and you know James Bradbury uh, you know on opposite sides of the field with you know Josh job as an outside cornerback or Eli Rick's out there like yeah I think that you know, there's like it's not like the Eagles' defense is at a point right now where it's like, no, we just stick to what works. Like they've been trying stuff all year. I don't see why you wouldn't try yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that like trying to figure out other ways to get Sidney Brown involved because I don't think he's a, a natural fit for like the Sean Desai safety at this point. Like I don't think that he's a middle field open split field safety right now. He's physical. He likes to get downhill, and like I think the way that he plays makes him a liability on the back end sometimes because he's so aggressive. But like he can, that plays into the strength of be, being close to the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be Morrow and Cunningham. I think Cunningham is actually like I think he's been pretty good against the run. You know, I think that he comes downhill and you know plays a run pretty well. Coverage is a, a different story. You know, I think that they're just they just don't have good cover linebackers, and you know that's been a reality of the Eagles for a long time. And you know, I think it's It's in for this, most in the teams, honestly. Where, yeah, yeah,
0: like it's, it's like tough to like before find the to find season. I, yeah. It's tough. I mean, I, I was trying to come up with, the I forget what podcast I was doing, but it was like, you know, top five at every position. And it was like, off-ball linebacker, Red, Warner, <laughs> yeah. and, and anybody. Now it's Roquan Smith. I think it's kind of, you know, uh, the Ravens is definitely that number two guy. Man, after that, like Matt Milano, he, he's injured. Um, he's not there anymore. Darius Leonard for the Colts. It can't, isn't even a full-time player for them uh, anymore. It's Mario Davis for the Saints is very good, but he's, 34 years old it's uh it's a tough position to like most teams around the nfl i think if you ask them hey are you happy with your linebackers most of them would probably say no i would say cutting him definitely has been better than i was anticipating if you told me that you were getting this guy off the street and he's gonna plug in and not kill you yet now let's see in five weeks i mean you got some offenses that might be circling him and circling some of these guys and we'll be telling a different story but yeah i would agree that he hasn't killed them um Yet, yeah, so we'll see what they do there. Uh, and then my last question in terms of personnel, you alluded to it at the top. No Dallas Scotter. What who, who's who's in the locker room rubbing their hands together, saying, Oh, I'm gonna get some of those, bring some of those touches my way. Finally, you know, we AJ and Devontae. Maybe it is AJ and Devontae. Maybe just funnel more yeah. to them. Is there another guy? Uh, you know, it could be a tight end, it could be a receiver, whatever. Just when you look at getting, kind of playing a bigger role in the offense that you think um, their role's going to expand here going forward?
2: Yeah, this is a complicated one. I wrote about this today, full disclosure. So it's like, you know, you look back when the Eagles were without Dallas Goddard last year. And, it, you know, because it's, it's obvious when you think about Dallas Goddard. It's like, man, he is one of the most important players on this team because of the way he impacts both the run and the pass game. But then you look back at last year and you go, well, they went 5-0 and without him last year. And they yeah, ran for 300 true. They ran for 363 yards against the Packers. You know, they ran for 250 plus <laughs> against the Giants. They threw for a bunch of yards against the Titans. Like, you know, so it's like, all right, they found out how to, you know, compensate for that loss last year, um, albeit against worse competition, you know, and like, you know, those two teams I just mentioned, the Packers and the uh, Giants, they were the two worst teams in DVOA against the run. I looked that up for my story. Um, so, like, listen, a little bit of it is, 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 is the context. And this year it's going to be the exact opposite. Where they're going to be playing really good teams every week without him, um, <clears throat> and it's also fair to point out they struggled against the Colts in their first game without Goddard last year. You know they couldn't really sustain drives, they couldn't get things going offensively. And Nick Sirianni talked about that today and said, you know, there were a lot of things that contributed to that, but missing Goddard was part of it for that them that those those offensive struggles. So, um, and this year's team's not as good in, at running the ball as last year's team was. You know, Jalen Hurts being hurt, I think. Contributes to that and you know there are a lot of other things Cam Juergens coming back will be helpful For it but like ultimately like Who's rubbing their hands together I think like Last year would tell you that Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra shouldn't be I think that Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra might... <laughs> Jack Stoll you know,
0: definitely shouldn't pay. Yeah, I would agree with yeah, that.
2: I think that... Well, it's funny because Jack Stoll, you know, we talked to him today and I think someone asked him, like, you know, do you think that there are going to be more targets for you? And he's like, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't hope so, but, you know, we're going to do whatever they ask. And I think, like, that. those guys, you know, their contribution in the run game will be will be important. You know, I think it was last year. I think Grant Calcaterra, considering he was, like, a receiving specialist coming out of college, like... I think he has made a lot of strides as a blocker. I think he's, you know, passable at that spot. And I think that they're going to be an important part of the run game. I think you might even see the Eagles use more 12 just to get a little bit more of heavy personnel groupings. You know, running out of 11 is hard when you don't have somebody like Dallas Goddard. Um, but I think in the past game, I think Devontae is going to get most of those Dallas Goddard targets. Yeah. You know, is on pace for, I think, 15 less targets than he was, he was at last year. Um, You know, obviously AJ has been a big part of the offense, but I think, I think Devontae is going to be a bigger part of the offense. I think Julio Jones could stand to get more targets out of, out of Dallas Goddard's absence. And that's the thing about the Eagles offense is that like they're built to withstand losing one guy like this. I would say if you lose more than one of these guys, I think you're really starting to have a problem, but you know, especially we've seen AJ Brown just be the entire offense for, you know, long stretches. I think you'll see Devontae and Julio. I think maybe you'll see, you know, more Deandre Swift targets. I think they'll be able to spread out the passing game targets around enough where you know it doesn't really have a huge impact. I think in the running game that's where I'm a little bit more concerned.
0: Yeah, the run game even this season like Goddard hasn't played as many snaps. I remember l- looking at it in your and when he's not in there on a run play, man, you can just like it shows up on film every time we like yeah. oh, wish you know wait, wait, did Goddard get blown up by the uh, no, no, wait. Goddard wasn't in on this play. It was somebody else? So yeah, I mean, he is—he's uh, awesome at that. He's done less of that. I actually think that's been part of the—you know—a little bit of the reason why the run game hasn't been as good. And I agree with your assessment there. I mean, I would just say we're funneling targets to AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith until we're—you know—we're forced out of that, and then we'll figure it out. And it could be any of those guys. It could be Olamide Zaccheaus. It could be Julio Jones. I think uh, Calcaterra is kind of like an interesting pass catching option. You know, if you're talking about like an RPO screen or you know, that, that type of thing, like he can run, he can move a little bit bring some athleticism to the table. Uh, And then Sean and I talked about, you know, just DeAndre Swift, the way they've already kind of used him in different ways. I mean, they'll line him up out wide and throw a screen to him. They'll um, do different stuff with him in the passing game. And I I think he's been able to handle all that. So it might not be one person, but I I do think you start with AJ Brown uh, and Devontae Smith there. All right, let's take uh, a little break. We'll come back, uh, hit you with some more questions cash in on balling out this NBA season with FanDuel, America's number 1 sports book right now. New customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. You know what? Just want to just take the Sixers. At Atlanta on Friday, they're not going to lose three in a row, are they? They're one-point underdogs as I record this right now. Or you can do something else. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live, same-game parlays, the parlay hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com ringerphilly and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. First online real money wager only, $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, we're back on the Ringers. Billy special. All right, next question. Expectations for Jalen Hurts the rest of the season. I don't know if you have a strong take here. Is Is it like jail? You know, Jalen Hurts is gonna win the MVP, baby, and you know he would just break it out for our social media. Or, or if you're like, yeah, I don't really know. We'll see what his knee looks like on Monday on Monday night. Uh, where are you with Jalen Hurts? I think he's played, like you mentioned, it probably goes under the radar. We take it for granted that the guys just had a knee injury. His heads operate from the pocket, and he's looked really, really good uh, doing that. So, where are you with expectations for Hurts for the second half of the season?
2: Um, I think he is going to win the MVP. <laughs> I really do. Really? But, okay, yeah. there you no, go. I, I mean, like that. I I don't have all the the numbers in front of me here, but like his numbers this year are on pace or better than his numbers from last year's completion percentage is up. Um, his success rate, I know you guys talked about his success rate last pod. Even that is like co- comparable to last year. Now, his turnovers are up, and I think that that is, you know, is obviously going to be an important part of whether or not they're going to continue to win games. You know, right now they're overperforming, you know, kind of those underlying metrics. I think the turnovers have a lot to do with that. But I honestly do. I'm bullish on the way he's played. I think the fact that he had he suffered this knee injury and turned around and was like, okay, I can't run, so now I'm just going to be one of the most efficient passers in the NFL for yeah. three straight games. You know, I'm going to have two games where I go over 130 passer rating, you know, which he hadn't done. I think he'd done it twice before you know, he got hurt and he did it in two, two of the last three games, Like he's been playing at an unbelievable level. I think he's been better this year than he has last year. And like, especially when he is – assuming he gets to full strength or close to it and can add the running element back to his game, I think he's going to end up with better statistics than he did last year. Again, we're assuming health, but better statistics than he did last year – I think that the res, I think that like, I always think MVP, you know, you need a little bit of the narrative juice, you know, you need a little bit of like, you know, people just like enjoy the story and the story of him coming back from the Super Bowl and like hurting his knee, like all of, on national TV, you know, like grimacing in pain because you had a knee or a helmet slam into your injured knee, like, and to just be like a ruthlessly efficient passer while you're dealing with that. I think he's going to have that. I mean, I listen like you're you're you you're more familiar with the national, you know, scene than I am, but as as just like somebody who's watched his play this year, I think he's been better this year than he was last in a lot of ways and I do I think that he's going to be in the MVP conversation uh you know if he stays on this pace.
0: Yeah, I mean I think he's right there. I'm trying Yeah, I'm pulling up the odds right now. He's second. You know, that might surprise Patrick Mahomes is plus 270. Jalen Hurts is plus 300. Uh, And there's, you know, a bunch of guys. uh, Tua is after him. And then Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow and uh, CJ Stroud after that. Like there's nobody running away with this thing. um, That's for sure. Uh, Solak and I, when we did our like Ringer NFL shows before the season and we're making our predictions, MVP is a very predictable award. It goes to the quarterback of the one or the two seed in one of the conferences yep. <laughs> like that that's the mvp that that's it like if you go 10 and 7 and you're awesome statistically you're you're probably not going to win it um it, it's going to go to either the team with the best record or the second best record in each conference. Well, you know, Eagles are in the driver's seat for that number one seed uh in the NFC. So I think he's got a great shot there. Mahomes, you can never rule out. I mean, their offense, yeah. I've been I've been ripping their offense for most of the season. I don't think it's a fluke. I'm like, this offense is not nearly as good as the ones we've seen, but you just mentioned it. Andy Reid might have gone seen a Broadway show, scribbled something on the napkin. Uh there, okay, yeah, we're gonna do this, and all of a sudden they're gonna come out and they're gonna be putting up 35 a game in the uh in the second half of the season. I want today. Does Andy Reid still do that in KC? Like, were they were they both Andy, in New York? No, that was only for Philadelphia. Probably right? not, right? I just thought I of mean, that. where would you okay, where yeah. would
2: you go if you were in KC though? What's like, it called? Uh, Ozark? Did you watch Ozark? Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, goes, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'd go to the Ozarks after watching that show, you know though, I, man. You know what
0: I've heard, though? You know what I've heard? I've heard there's like a nice part of the Ozarks that's like, hmm. you know, like. People actually go and like vacation and it's more like fancy. And then there's, yeah, uh, Jason, w- Jason Bateman and, and uh, the crew depicted there. I don't think Andy Reid's,
2: uh, I don't think Andy, yeah. Andy Reeds going there, but it is funny. I am staying away from there. In- I like, yeah, Ozark is like a, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Sicario, but like, I don't know why I had, am just like obsessed with these, like, like Breaking Bad, Ozark, Sicario, like anything that's like cartel I i don't know why i just find it so yeah, interesting yeah. and like uh, i don't who doesn't know doesn't find it's weird, a cartel yeah.
0: interesting yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah come on it's it's gotta be good um my, my so, wife will be like uh, so yeah. mad i'll be like let's just watch sicario again you know like it's sicario <laughs> and the town those are like the two movies it's like we've seen them a hundred times but i just want to watch them 101 it's just one of those weird
0: things so <laughs> um Maybe, maybe that's what Andy Reid was doing during it. maybe he was catching maybe, up yeah. on yes, Mario <laughs> Breaking Bad. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, who knows? But Patrick Mahomes could come out and just light the, you know, light the league on fire in the second half of the season. I don't, And if he does, by the way, like if their offense makes a leap, he'll deserve it because, man, he does not have a lot of help um, around him. Hurts, again, if they go 14 and three. And he's playing like he's playing. Like, I don't even think he needs to upgrade from how he's playing right now. If yeah. he sustains how he's playing right now, I think that's uh, an MVP level. Lamar Jackson, definitely. I think two is too high there. I think most people would look at that and say, you know, Tyreek Hill is kind of the guy who makes that offense go. But uh, we shall see. Yeah. Well, there you go. I am I I didn't know. Yeah, I actually didn't know, <laughs> you know, where you were. If you had a strong one on Hertz or not. No, you did. So that that was good. Uh, all right. Swing player for the Eagles. In the second half of the season, do you have a guy? I mean, it could, it doesn't have to be under the radar. It, it really, you know, you can, I'm not going to let you say Jalen Hurts, but uh, other <laughs> than Jalen Hurts, is there a guy who you're like, you know what? This guy's going to go a long way um, in determining how successful they are the rest of the way.
2: So I'm cheating a little bit. I'm going to say Bradley Roby slash Eli Ricks. I just feel like one of the slot receivers needs to figure – they need to find an answer in the slot, basically. Whether it's going to be, you know, Bradley Roby, you know, full-time, you know, slot starter, or if it's Eli Ricks is, like, a spot starter in key situations. Like, whoever it's going to be, like, they need someone who's, like, trustworthy, like, not going to give up 200 yards to C.D. Lamb. Because, like, the other thing that's really important to remember is, like, the Eagles, to get to where they want to go, they're going to face a team that has a dynamic option in the slot, whether it's the 49ers or the Cowboys, even the Lions with Amon Ross Brown. Like, they're going to play a oh, yeah, team that has awesome. a really good. Yeah, and his dance moves are, are really cool, too. Have you seen the Jubi slide? <laughs> that thing, that I don't is think like. so. Oh, you have to check it out. It's like the new moonwalk. Okay. Yeah, it's. I can't dance, but I watch that and I don't like TikTok dances for the record, but like I am like uh, enamored. I like, I'm like mesmerized when I watch him do it. So you got to check it out for sure. Um, anyway, right, we'll sorry, go. I digress. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that they're going to need someone that they can trust in those high leverage situations in that spot, whether it's Bradley Roby, Eli Ricks, James Bradbury, whoever it's going to be, that's like the swing for me because like, Right now, if you told me, you know, and I know Eagles fans aren't going to love this. I just said Jalen Hurts going to be the MVP. So I, I earned a little bit of uh, leeway here. But, like, right now, if you told me the season ended because in the conference championship because, like, Debo Samuel just torched the Eagles or, you know, Brandon IU, whoever was in the slot, you know, they just torched the Eagles and, you know, blew them out in the MV- NFC championship, it wouldn't surprise me because we, we don't know who they're going to play there. They don't have an answer right now. So, uh, yeah, to me, that's the swing player. I know, again, it's not one player. But, you know, whoever ends up being in the slot, if if they can be trustworthy in that spot, I think it's huge for the defense.
0: Yeah, I think those are good ones. I, I definitely had Eli Ricks written down, by the way, like sort of under the radar. And I was running to grab my glass of water. So apologies if yeah you just said this, but <laughs> those corners are older. I mean, like yeah. th- mo- most teams don't get through a whole season with their corners, like staying uh, healthy. I know they've missed, you know, a little bit of time, but like. If one of those guys goes down for three weeks, all of a sudden, Eli Ricks, I mean, forget what we just talked about with the slot. Like, I mean, it could be Josh Joe, but one of those guys all of a sudden becomes, you know, a really, really important player. So that's something else to keep an eye on. You you know, you have three, you potentially are starting three corners and four members of the secondary who are over 30 years old, right? With Bayard and Roby. I mean, that is you're playing with Bayer against, uh, against some of the receivers in the NFL right now. You The names you just mentioned, that's tough. So I think those are good names. Uh, I wrote down Bayer. We already talked about him, so I don't want to go with him. Uh, I wrote down Sidney Brown. I'm just curious. You mentioned it. Desai will try anything. That's like the one yeah. thing we've learned. <laughs> 17,000 different personnel groupings and 400, and this coverage didn't work on this third down, screw it. We're doing something else on the next (laughs) third down, which I kind of like. It's it's fun as a, you know, it's fun for us. It doesn't get boring when he does that. The players like it too.
2: So I yeah. mean, like the players definitely appreciate it. Yeah, you can tell, like, there's okay. a lot of them are like, I haven't been around a coordinator that's willing to like change things like on the fly. Like oh, that's
0: that. interesting. So
2: yeah, I mean, even like the his like rotations, like his personnel rotations, that's weird. Like I I was texting with a couple people around the league, like, have you seen this before? And they're like, no, like it's not normal <laughs> to be like rotating your linebackers just to see what might work. So I mean, listen, right. I think it it's smart. I think it's like. You know, this team is not in its final form. They're trying to make sure that they're ready for, you know, the playoffs. I think it makes sense. So,
0: Yeah, it can kind of go either way. It's one of those things where... If we feel like on the outside that one player definitely deserves to be out there over the other player and the other players out there and the other player gives up a big play, then we're (laughs) ready to crush him. Uh, On the other hand, if it works, I do like the idea of you're keeping a lot of guys invested. It's only, you know, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Everybody feels like they have a chance to play. That's not like a bad message to send, like earn your, you know, earn your spot to a degree. It's the, it's the NFL. You're not going to go all Chip Kelly and say, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts isn't a starter, you know, (laughs) so. but there, there's a fine line there yeah it can go uh either way but i don't have an issue with it because i think the rotations he's had i'm not like no this guy should definitely be out there he's much better so right. uh we'll see if they settle on someone eventually the guy i'm gonna say for the swing player and i don't know if this is lame or not but i'm gonna go with Devonte smith i think he could have a monster second half his film is awesome like uh the numbers aren't as good as last year man, he has opportunities every game where he is just cooking a defensive back and the ball just does not happen to go his way on those. And now, uh, as we talked about, there's going to be more targets um, to to be spread around. And I also think there's going to be more teams coming in saying, we just can't let A.J. Brown have... (laughs) <laughs> A buck 25 on us like he's doing every week. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm sorry, we're not doing that. And so maybe that will lead to better matchups for Devontae Smith. Maybe that will lead to his number being called more. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I, you know, I should, I should just go ahead and, you know, have the take like you. I mean, you went bold on Hurts. I shouldn't say I shouldn't <laughs> be surprised. I'm going to say it now. Devontae Smith from week 11 to week 18 will have more receiving yards than A.J. Brown. There you go. How about that? I'll call my, i am called my shot with yeah. that. I, th- I think he he's capable of it and he could get the opportunities. So, yeah, he's somebody uh, I have my eye on. All right. This five-game stretch here. Do I have this uh, schedule in front of me? You pr- you probably have memorized it because when you're a beat writer, you're like, all right, I'm going here. Oh, or are you not? Uh, maybe that's just no. Zach, Zach Berman. Yeah. not. I'm like a big, week like, to week.
2: I'm like hour to hour, shield. Like <laughs> <laughs> Like, I really, like, you can ask, like, people, like, you know, my my family or my wife. Like, I literally don't even know what's going on tomorrow. Like, I'll figure that out. Hour to hour, I love
3: it. That. <laughs>
0: yeah That's great. Listen, that's a good way to live, right? Nothing is yeah.
2: promised. I like that. All right,
0: I've got it in front of me. They are at the Chiefs, home versus the Bills, home versus the Niners, at the Cowboys, at the Seahawks. Those five games, week 11 to 15. Here we go. What's their how many of those do they win? What's their record? Five and oh, four and one, three and two, two and three, one and four, or oh and five. What do you think? If you had to say right now, what do you got?
2: I think they're going to go three and two. I think that they're going to beat the bills. I think they're going to beat the 49ers. And should I not say my last one to you know, shout, you know, give some secrecy? Like, I don't want to give up my prediction. Uh, since it's yeah, coming later I mean, I in the podcast, I think you might have.
0: I can't tell if you did. Yeah, yeah. Don't say any more because yeah. We okay. Yeah, I'll leave it. I'll to, leave it
2: shrouded. And secret. you're saying
0: three and two. Yeah, okay, I think three and two. two.
2: I think honestly, like I could see them dropping three of the next five. I think like the turnover stuff, the defense stuff. I think that they have. I think their 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 record is better than the way that they have played so far. I think most people in the city would agree. I with, agree you, with you know, that. You, there's kind of an yeah. angst around the team, even though they're doing so well, there's a little bit of anxiety and a little bit of like, eh, this doesn't look like it did last year. And I think the turnovers are the biggest reason. I think, you know, it's hard to be as successful as they have been when you turn the ball over. I think their differential. I want to say it's minus two. I knew this a week ago before the bye week started. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's a chance they could drop all drop three of them, but I I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they just haven't lost many games. You know, uh, I like yeah. I struggle with it. So on one hand, it's like, you know, they do find ways to win games. You know, like they have found ways to win games and they don't necessarily play well enough to win. And like, but don't doesn't every team, you know, say that every like every team that's like a one score game type of team that turns the ball yeah. over too much. Like, don't right. all of them just say, oh, you know, we're gritty. and We find a way to win. Yeah, it's like, I think that exactly. that stuff does the catch Vikings up to you. Lives, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because I think that they are going to play better. Um, so I'm going to give them three and two. I think, I think they'll beat the bills team. I think, you know, again, I'll mention the 49ers as a team. I think they're going to beat. uh, but you know, we'll, we'll leave the rest for later. I think that they probably, uh, will come out of this stretch with with a, you know, solid record, but I do think they're going to, you know, have a game or two that they drop here. So.
0: I've got three and two also. Um, and at first I was like, Ooh, three and two. Then I was like, Three and two probably is going to get them to fourteen and three, unless you think they're going to yep. lose to Tommy DeVito uh, uh, or or uh, Johnny Gannon and, uh, Cl- and Cliff. Cliff, will do a little Gannon watch right after uh, this question, if you want to uh, prepare there. But yeah, unless you think they're going to lose one of those last three, I mean, you you can go three and two here, and you're going to go fourteen and three, and fourteen and three is, I mean, it's not a hundred percent. It's probably going to mean. You are the one seed, you know, uh, yeah. depending on what happens there with the Detroit Lions. So three and two is a fine place to be. I do wonder if they lose like two in a row or something like the fan base is just not to, used to them losing. Like it feels so weird when they lose the last two seasons. Like, just yeah. like, wait, what? They lost <laughs> the game. What, what is happening here? So uh, I do wonder what that would be like. But uh, yeah, I've got uh, three and two as well. When you said hour to hour, it reminded me, yeah, I went to uh, <laughs> this. this is American Education Week. Um, I don't know why that reminded me of this, but they have things at like our daughter's school where you like go in. Like tomorrow, I'm going into middle school for an entire morning, 7:30 to noon. We're going to all my daughter's classes, <laughs> oh, but <man. laughs> we had one for second grade earlier this week. Um, so you go in for an hour, and they played this like uh, you know a uh, uh, story narration shoot. Now I forget what it was called, something about a turkey Thanksgiving, a moose, whatever. <laughs> they're having this narration and then they take breaks and then like it's like all right ask your you know ask your son or daughter about something i i'm just zoning out during this narrative i have no idea what's happening and i don't know what my i was there was there's nothing like crazy going on in my life that i should be zoning out but i just can't function in like a classroom setting like that anymore so they do the break and the teacher says all right you know children ask your parents to predict what they think happens next and I'm <laughs> I don't even know what's happening in the story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with with Mr. Moose. So Luckily, my wife was there. She made the prediction that they were going to uh, invite the turkey over for Thanksgiving to eat with them rather than, I think, eat the turkey. And then, you know, my daughter asked me and I was like, yeah, no, I think that's, that's exactly what I think is going to happen for sure. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I saw that coming from a mile away. So I don't know why your hour to hour thing made me think of that, but are are you like that? Have you had to say, you probably don't have to like, you know, do? it's rare that I have to do that. But when I do have to like sit in a setting like that, where it's like a meeting or like pay attention to this slideshow for an hour, my mind cannot handle it. And I, I like wonder how I got through school.
2: Well, I barely got through school, so I don't even have to wonder. I'm exactly the same way. Like, no, I always, I always say, like, I was, uh, I was not an exemplary student. Like, you know, if a teacher of mine is listening to this, like, I apologize. Uh, even when you said middle school, like I had like a visceral reaction. I was like, oh, mm. like I was I was it was a tough time for me. I'm sure your daughter is well behaved and like, you know, love in middle school. But I hated middle school. So, uh, no, <laughs> if I ever ended up back in a classroom setting, I would have to question every every move that got me to that point. <laughs> Um, even like when you were talking about the parent teacher conference, it gave me like memories of like being terrified. Cause like my dad is actually, he was a vice principal, uh, at the school district next to the school district I was in. Oh and it was always so embarrassing because like, they'd be like, yeah, he doesn't pay attention. Like he's, you know, really not like into this whole school thing. And he like, it was like, my dad's an educator and he, even he couldn't, you know, get me to, to do well in these things. So. Uh, I feel for you if I ended up ever ended up back in a classroom setting it would be uh problematic for me which is funny because my whole family's in education except for me so um you know it's kind of weird that I, I found myself in that situation but hey that's that's where I'm at so
0: well, listen <laughs> it's like my whole you know all my family works in hospitals and here I am you know <laughs> talking to you about nonsense at uh 7:53 on a Thursday evening so well, listen we found our way and we're doing just fine all right let's bring Cliff and Cliff was getting you know peppered with 400 like just the tweets were rolling in because there was a joshua dobbs clip that started circulating and everyone said Ganon watch gannon watch we need to hear from cliff uh about johnny Gan. so uh cliff
3: what's going on with gannon watch ej chill my guys what's up man what's what's up with y'all man the folks been waiting for some gannon watch how you guys feeling <laughs>
2: This was my I'm favorite segment it. from the last time I was on. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed harder on this podcast than I've laughed in like years in my own life. Which, you welcome know, back. Really to is- right.
3: yeah. Who took the bus? <laughs> Be who you are. Just understand, I'm looking for killers.
4: This is Cannonball. Don't All get
3: right, that fellas, twisted. We 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 got a good one today. We, our boy Johnny Gans was so a few weeks ago. As we know, Josh Dobbs like the world traveler right now. This dude is just. Playing on teams, actually playing decent football, surprisingly, having to move. I think this is his third team technically this season. Well, he as yeah. he was on Cleveland he gets traded to Arizona. Now he's uh, in Minnesota. He's actually put up some good numbers the last two weeks too. And in, uh, in light of Kirk Cousins' um, uh, um, Achilles injury, but um, you know he was he was jettisoned out of Arizona in a very unceremonious way. And uh, we can play it back for the folks so so they know what happened.
4: So I'm in Arizona last Sunday. We play Baltimore, right? Game ends. We lose by 7, 31-24. We're in the locker room. JG gets off his podium. He does media before I do. And he says, I'm starting for the Cardinals in Cleveland the next week. Monday, and then we played Sunday, played Baltimore. So I go to the facility on Monday, and JG, the head coach in Arizona, calls me to his office. And he says, hey, um... We're going to start Clayton Tune in Cleveland, um, and this is leading up to Kyler's return. So I went home, talked to my agent, just uh, telling him about the situation, uh, went to sleep, woke up Tuesday morning with a text from my agent saying, hey, you could be traded today, <laughs> Because it's the trade <laughs> deadline. <laughs> and, and, and listen to this. When I had my meeting with uh, JG in Arizona, he looked at me in the face and he said, you're not getting traded. You're not being released. You're going to be here in Arizona. I was like, okay, cool. And so then I woke up to that text saying, all right, the trade deadline's in four hours. You could be traded. You could go to Minnesota or go back to Cleveland. I was like, this, today. today's about to be nuts. I eat breakfast, I chill. He calls me back at 11. He says, you're getting traded to Minnesota. <laughs> so I so, said, okay. So then, like, all the emotions of.
3: All right, all right. Look, look, look man. Th- th- listen, this guy's a known liar, a known sucker, and and uh, Kavon Wallace, too, former Eagle, um, followed Jonathan Gannon over to Arizona. He tweeted underneath it. He was like, sounds like something that happened to me as he was cut on October 24th, I believe it was, and then he was waived, and then he was picked up on waivers by the Titans. Like, come on, man. This guy's a head coach, and he can't be – listen, I know the NFL's a dirty game. I know the NFL is crazy. But, like, you literally told this – you told this man, hey, you're not going to get traded. You know, we'll start playing tune. We know Kyler's coming. Everybody knew Kyler was going to come back. Kyler did play this weekend, and he looked okay. Whatever. But he play, he just blatantly lies. Like this is what this guy does. He has a history of lying. Shoot. what did he say uh, um, after after he got hired to the people over at, at the athletic? Your former employer? Oh he, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: He said yeah. He said that he was the one who recommended that uh, Sirianni. Uh, Sirianni gives a duties. play calling to Shane Steichen. Yeah. That was his big one. That he yeah. Like,
3: Come on, man. He's a this guy's a known <laughs> liar, cheat. The Cardinals are two and eight. I will, I will say he got him playing a little bit hard, right? Like they are playing a little bit hard. I give him some credit, but they're still bottom ranked in defense, which he specializes in. Right. Show you had a nice little rant this summer saying, Hey, this guy's, you know, we're going to miss, we're not going to miss his defense. And clearly the Cardinals, we don't miss his defense. Unfortunately, we missed some players on defense, <laughs> but we don't miss Jonathan Gannon's defense. Listen, the Eagles will probably be the same as they were last year as this year with Gannon or without Gannon. This guy's not a difference maker. He's They'd be liar. worse. They'd be worse Sam, with Gannon. Do you agree, Jay? Cunningham, yes, I completely think, agree. They'd be, that, yeah,
2: they would be worse. Okay. Yeah.
3: They would be way worse with Cunningham and Morrow and losing Hargrave and losing uh, Chauncey and losing a couple of those key guys on defense. Listen, man, he's I'm telling you, Arizona, do not get your hopes up of how you think this team is playing right now. They are playing decent. Considering the circumstances with the quarterback, there was a lot going on to start the season. But don't get it twisted. If you guys actually get on the right foot, he is not the guy for you. He is a liar. He is a snake. Do not trust him. Players don't trust him. They are not going to Arizona to play for Jonathan Gannon. I'll tell you that right now. firsthand. I give this man until about 2025 and that's about it. That that's longer than what she Shil- said in the middle of 2024, he's going to be gone. Listen, they, they, they're no, playing I a little 2023. Gone. I think Yeah, 2023, <laughs> <laughs> you said this season, he was going to be gone. I give him a little bit of leeway. They are playing. They are playing hard football. They're not good. They're just playing decently well. And they did have a good win against the Cowboys earlier this season. That's neither here nor there. They're probably going to get smoked the rest of the way out. They'll probably be in the top, you know, five or whatever, and get a. Dr- also, they do have the. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they do have the Texans pick, correct?
0: They do, but the Texans are so, good. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, like not even so, that good oh, the, it,
3: to, the Texans are good, but still, that's still another first rounder. But Arizona fans, if you're listening to this, Jonathan Gannon haters, if you're listening to this, everything is going to be okay. <laughs> He's not going to thrive <laughs> in Arizona. Sorry, Cardinals fans, I hate to break it to you. But he can't be trusted. And that's all I got to say on that. How you guys feel about right.
0: that? There you go. Uh, well, I think that, uh, yeah, they're, they're. T- I will, listen, I will give, they have been better, uh, a better coach team than I thought they were going to be. They've been a better team than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be far and away the worst team in the NFL. Now, having said that, like settle down, they're two and eight. Uh, I was about to say and, you guys are you know, giving yeah, a, I've never yeah, seen yeah, people give flowers
2: to a 2 and 8 team like this that before. shows you that <laughs> shows you what our expectations were <laughs> like, yeah, they're doing better
3: yeah. than i thought I mean, no, <laughs> like, play, i'm saying playing wise like they haven't looked like they've completely just thrown in the towel they're listen their record says otherwise obviously but if you actually like see some of the see some of the games like they are yeah. kind of in these games and they they're not just getting blown their doors blown off of them they're not good. Don't get me wrong. They just don't have the person up. <laughs> but
0: but to your point, it has nothing to do with the defense. The defense exactly. is 31st in DVOA. I the defense to say. sucks. He hired a good an offensive coordinator. The guy, Drew Petzing, has been like doing more with less. So I've been um impressed with that. But it's very interesting because I thought coming into the season, they were the number one tank team. And they were gonna just Kyler wasn't gonna come back. They were gonna trade him, they were gonna take Caleb Williams or Drake May. Well, now Kyler came back. Kyler looked good last week. Like he looked healthy. Uh, So I think the, I think bringing Kyler back is going to play them out of the one or two seed, a one or two draft pick. And then they're not going to get a quarterback. And then I don't really know where that leaves them uh, going forward. So, yeah, otherwise where that I, I agree them. with that everything John, you
3: said. That leaves Jonathan again in the unemployed market. That's where that leaves him. That leaves, <laughs> him, that leaves him being back to being the DB coach uh, in, I don't even know, in, on the Raiders or something like that in the, in next, in the next couple of years. Let's put it that way. That's where that leaves them. okay? All right. don't, don't get your hopes up if you're a Cardinals fan. Sorry to break it to you guys. That was just a quick addition. Again, I watched the, the fans wanted it. The streets needed it. Philly be back. By the way, chill. It feels great to do this actually in Philadelphia. By the way, I like, know we got to meet up. Yeah. You, I
0: was I was saying you have to go to a. You might have to go to that Eagles Cardinals game in Week 17. <laughs> it's right down the street from you now. Uh, yeah, we got to get some live pods going. For sure, we got a yeah, sure. yeah, we, we, we got a lot to do, but uh, always loving it. I'll always love an edition of Gannon Watch. It's been too long.
3: You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna text my good my good pal friend Duffy, uh, Elkins Park's <laughs> finest. You know, hey man, look. What can we do about some some Eagles tickets here? Just stop by <laughs> some of these games. <laughs> we'll, we'll check. We'll I'll see EJ in the in the press box. You know, hang yeah. out for a couple minutes, slide grab down, and, grab a soft you know. pretzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I want to hang out. I, I, I was actually at the link um uh for the Cowboys game. I was actually at the tailgate before I went back to my apartment and uh, watched the game. And it, yo, that that I I didn't feel that energy in quite some time since you know probably like a year or two prior to my last Eagles game I actually went to so. Man, it just feels good to be back in Philly, man. If you got a tailgate, I'm pulling up. If you got a a, a party, I'm pulling up. If you got any suggestions <laughs> while I'm out, <laughs> while I'm back, I'm pulling up, man. So just let me know.
2: You, gotta go you to got to go to Dylan's uh, tailgates. I don't think he does them every week. He's like Philaticus on Twitter or something like that. You know what, he's Dylan these like, crazy you, barbecues. Yeah, okay,
3: Dylan. If Dylan is listening to this, I will be pulling up to his uh his tailgate the <laughs> yeah, next Eagles right home there. game. Yeah. All right, EJ, thank yeah. <laughs> you for the recommendation, man. No, he's legit. There you yeah, go. You gotta check him out.
0: All right. Thank you, Cliff. Awesome addition. Uh, Gannon, watch. All right, let's finish with this. EJ, if the Eagles win this game Monday night, who are we talking about Tuesday morning? And it can't be Jalen Hurts. You can't get. We always know the quarterback. You know, it could be. Could it be? Is there a player? Is there a coach? Is there a, somebody else? Who Who are we talking about Tuesday morning if the Eagles beat the Chiefs?
2: Um. So I wrote Kevin Byard down. Now, I know we talked about him, but, you know, I want to stick with him because we haven't talked about Travis Kelsey. I guess we did a little bit with the Bradbury stuff. But I I do think that Kevin Byard might be like, you know, an important member of the Eagles secondary, you know, riding its ship a little bit. So, uh yeah, I went with Kevin Byard. Um, you know, it's funny. I went back and looked to see what Kevin Byard's track record against Travis Kelsey, you know, was like since, you know, Chiefs and Titans play each other a little bit more frequently. Um And like, it's not great, you know, if I'm being honest with you, it's, but I don't think it's like Kevin Byard, he, there weren't many, you know, I went to the PFF, like coverage matchups to see, you know, if Kevin Byard really lined up against him very often. And he didn't like, you know, it's not a lot of times you're going to see Kevin Byard one-on-one with Travis Kelsey, but, um, the last time they played each other was last season and Travis Kelsey had 10 catches for 106 yards. Um, but uh, I think the year before the Titans had held the, the Chiefs, up, I think it was three points in a, in a win. So um, I think that that's going to be an interesting part of this. You know, we talked about like the potential for double teams and bracket coverages. And I think Bayard is going to be an important part of that. So, uh, yeah, give me Kevin Bayard. Again, I know we've talked a lot about the slot, but I honestly think it's one of the most important things uh, for this team in the second half of the season
0: yeah and how they defend kelsey in this game is like the number one thing i mean they're again it's not the same chiefs offense you're talking about rashi rice and marcus feldus scantling and uh justin watson like these are you know if those guys beat you you live with it if travis kelsey has like a cd lamb type game like we saw a couple weeks ago then the eagles are going to deserve to get criticized for their game planning there's no doubt about it um i wrote down a Few names here. Let me see. I got to pick one. I think Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick are two guys to watch because uh, the Chiefs have two new tackles from when the Eagles played them in the Super Bowl. Now, I don't think I'm going to pick them because we've seen Patrick Mahomes. You get pressure and all of a sudden he eludes it and it's a 25 yard uh, completion. Uh, Devante Smith was another guy I wrote down. But you know what? I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift. He was my other one. I literally have him right here. I wrote him down, too. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, I think Swift's going to have a big game Monday night. I just feel like, listen, the Eagles' run game has not been clicking in recent weeks, but if we should have faith in like any aspect of the team during a bye week to figure things out, it's like Jeff Stoutland, offensive line, offensive coaches, how do we scheme this up so that it looks better? So I just feel like they're going to be able to figure some things out with the run game uh, during the bye. And that's whether Jalen Hurts is a factor or not. Like They know or they should have a better idea of what they have with Jalen Hurts in terms of how healthy he is and what they need to do. Uh, They'll get Cam Juergens back, we think, at right guard. I think that's going to be a big factor. Um, And then you look at the Chiefs' defense. Been very good this season, but they're 20th in DVOA against the run. So if there's a weakness on that defense so far, it certainly has been the run defense. By the way, they don't have Nick Bolton, who... Watching that, you know, Super Bowl film, man, Nick Bolton had a great game in the Super Bowl last year, uh, and so he won't be on the field there. So uh, I think DeAndre Swift's going to get a lot of touches. I think he's going to play well. I think he, he could be a player we're talking about if the Eagles win this football game. All right, if they lose Monday night, EJ, who are we talking about?
2: I think we're talking about Sean Desai if they lose. I think he passed his initial test against the Dolphins, right? And then it's kind of been shaky since then. And I, I really do, like, I'm encouraged by a lot of the things I've seen. But, you know, with the, with the way the Cowboys game went, if they go and, you know, give up 41 points to the Chiefs, I think all of the things that we said about Desai after the Dolphins game start to become a little bit the inverse, you know, where it's like, can he, you know, deliver against the best offenses in the NFL, against, you know, coordinators like, Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi and Kyle Shanahan, you know, that's going to start to become a question. So, um, yeah, I think if they lose and that's going to be the big thing is like, you know, Sean Desai did such a good job kind of compensating for, you know, so many moving parts in the secondary for the first half of the season. But, you know, again, for them to get where they want to be, they're going to need to be able to, you know, get timely stops at the very least. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. I think if they lose it, Sean Desai would be the guy who I think is going to be uh, the conversation Uh, starter for everybody,
0: especially coming off the last time we saw the Eagles played. I mean, Dak Prescott was really just lighting up this defense. See, I want to see kind of the sample of the next five games with like, I don't expect, I think they're going to get lit up in a couple of these games. If they get lit up in like all of them or all, but one, then I'm going to be like, Ooh, uh, you know, this is ugly here. I want to see some example like that dolphins game. I want to see at least one, hopefully two more examples of no, no, no. You can bottle up these offenses by doing something, um, smart by doing something unexpected by playing to your strengths, by hiding your weaknesses, I don't know if it's going to be this Monday night or not. I think you're probably right. I think if they, you know, if they give up 30, 35 points and they lose this game, and then you look at what happened uh against the Cowboys, then I think he probably and will the come commanders fire the week before it too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Sam Howell uh lit them up really both times they played them. And that's that's important to note because Eric Bieniemy, Washington Commanders yep. OC, Andy Reid, two weeks to watch. That commander spell, what, what did uh, <laughs> What did my old buddy do uh, over there? So yeah, I, I think that is like, are there similarities with the game plans there? Uh, I went with the guy you went for the first question and I went with Kevin Byard. Um, we talked about it earlier. I, I think the Chiefs are going to see if they can find matchups against him in man coverage uh, and see how he holds up. I mean, they would be dumb not to just based on what we've seen on film from him the last two games with the Eagles. Now again, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had a lot of good years in the NFL. He's a smart player. He's had a lot of production. Let's see what it looks like after the buy. He might come out and like you said, he might be a guy we're talking about saying, all right, you know, this is the safety we thought the Eagles were getting. He played really well. He had a game changing play, he had a nice pass breakup. He had whatever. Um, but if he doesn't, and if they're really finding him and Andy Reid's exposing him a little bit, um, then I think there's going to be a little bit of more panic. You know, you're already kind of panicked about the linebackers, and now maybe if you're an Eagles fan, you're panicked about the safeties um, a little bit. I would be surprised if the Eagles corners, like, didn't play well in this game. I mean, that would be concerning to me. If Bradbury or Slice, specifically when they're out on the outside, if they lost to these wide receivers and gave up big plays or got beat consistently, uh, that would be pretty concerning uh, for me going into the rest of the schedule. All right, last question before we let EJ go. What is your prediction? Let me see. I'm looking at uh, FanDuel right now. I believe that the Chiefs are still two and a half point favorites is that right yes chiefs are favored by two and a half over under is 45 and a half. how do you think this game plays out what's your final score and prediction
2: yeah so I've, I've i've taken a page out of zach berman's book and um started trying to like get as close to the line as i can <laughs> it makes me seem smarter uh when we're gonna change knows that we'll me. talk
0: about this after the show yeah <laughs> i don't want you doing that <laughs> so you gotta take some swings
2: (laughs) so i i honestly do think this is going to be a close game though i really do i think that these two are these are the two best teams in the nfl um and honestly like to me it really was just like a coin flip of the chiefs are at home the eagles are on the road so i I went chiefs 27 eagles 24 um it feels a little bit like the eagles are due for a loss yeah i know it's like right on the spread uh (laughs) <laughs> but it feels like the Eagles are due for a loss a little bit. You know, they've been over – like I said earlier, they've been outperforming like some of those underlying metrics. You know, I was really actually surprised at how low they rank in DVOA considering their record. But, again, I think it's – the turnovers, I think it's, you know, the lack of – I think the success rate probably part of it too. Like they just haven't looked like the juggernaut that we expected them to be or the juggernaut that their record would suggest that they are. So I think that, uh, you know, obviously I know the Chiefs offense isn't quite – you know, as good as it was last year. They know they're not clicking yet, but this is a big game. You know, I think that we've, Patrick Mahomes has enough of a track record in these high leverage, you know, massive games. Like this is a game everybody's going to be up for. I think that the, I think the Chiefs are going to be able to put up points even with, you know, whatever they're going through offensively right now. I think the Eagles will be able to put up decent points too, but I think, uh, you know, the way the Chiefs defense is playing. And again, the turnovers, you know, some of that underlying stuff, I think the Chiefs are probably going to edge this game out. And I think, Again, I think the Eagles are probably going to be successful over the stretch, but for this game in particular, it's hard to overlook some of that that other stuff I just mentioned. So,
0: I see it very similarly to that that's how I was laughing that to, to <laughs> how you see it. I mean, I think Hurts is going to play well in this game. I think he's going to be up for it. I'm curious to see what he looks like physically having that extra rest. But this is the best defense the Chiefs have ever had with Mahomes, so I don't think it's going to be you know that easy. And also, I said this earlier this week, the Super Bowl was not about the Eagles out-scheming the Chiefs' defense to me. It was about like Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith making fantastic individual plays. Now, that can happen again, but like the Steve Spagnolo won that battle on the chalkboard, uh, in my opinion. It was just the individual players were too good for it. So I'm curious to see what that looks like um, this time around. This Chiefs offense, you mentioned, I don't love them. They're still top five, top six, top eight in every statistical category. So they don't suck by any means. When you have Mahomes and Reed, it's just the floor is only going to be so low, even in a season where you feel like things aren't going your way. And so what I can't get out of my head is that Eagles-Cowboys game where I thought the Cowboys offensive line dominated the Eagles pass rush for like 57 minutes of that game. And even when the Eagles got some pressure on Dak Prescott, He created out of structure and made explosive plays downfield. Well, what is Patrick Mahomes, like, the best in the NFL at doing? (laughs) What did we see in the Super Bowl? Like, those types of plays. And so that has me nervous. Like, those second reaction plays, can the Eagles defenders plaster uh, to those pass catchers and say, all right, if Mahomes scrambles for eight, that's fine, but we're not going to let him chuck it downfield for 35 yards. I think that's kind of – those are the types of plays that are going to determine this game. So ultimately, uh, I kind of need to – see the Eagles defense prove it to me in a spot like this because they've had a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like schematically. And so I don't fully trust them in this spot. And by the way, that that chief's interior uh, of the offensive line might be the best in the NFL. So I don't think you have like a huge advantage there. I I think your edge rushers can get at home, but I don't know that your defensive tackles are going to dominate in this game. So uh, I was laughing EJ because I got the same score you got. Oh, 27, man okay. <laughs> 24 Eagles over Chiefs uh we actually you know that that has us both liking the over quite a bit because the over is 45. Uh, and a half, and of course that would take us to 51 points. So you and I, you know, see it similarly that these offenses are going to have some success, uh, but that ultimately, you know, if the Chiefs have the ball last uh, or whatever, they win this game. Wouldn't it surprise me if the Eagles won. I could see them winning this game. I'm with you; it's evenly matched game. But uh, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to cover that two and a half and to win that game. All right. EJ, give us give us your plugs. You're always good. Let us know what's coming up. You got a few days before the game. What's in the cooker? Where can we read your work? All that good stuff.
2: Yeah, so you can find me at inquire.com. Uh, I think I honestly, I think so. Like this is a little bit of a secret. I probably shouldn't say this, but um, they got me the inquire.com slash EJ Smith. If you just type that, it's all my stories. Now, oh, I, I think that. when they pitched that to like everybody, they were like, no, we can't do that. But honestly, it's mine. You know, they did it for me. It works. It works. <laughs> So go there, check out my stuff. Um, got a story about uh, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes coming up later in the week. Probably, uh, also shouldn't have teased that, but it's fine. I mean, whatever. If somebody's this deep into the podcast, it's fine. They can know. Um, so yeah, I've got some good stuff coming. Uh, you, like I always say, you know, click on my story, leave it up on your laptop, go for a walk. Now I was chided on this podcast for uh, saying that I didn't care if you read it. I'd like you to read it, you know, leave me a comment, tell me what you thought, but you know, even if if you don't feel like it, it's all right. I'm fine. You know, we just give me, give me those numbers, you know, give me the, give me the metrics. And yeah, that's, that's the best way to show your support. Um, Yeah. Otherwise I'm at EJ Smith 94 on a X formerly known as Twitter, which is what my phone calls it. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, I'm around people. People will find me if they if they really want to find me. So
0: <laughs> there you go. He's taking an hour to hour. Uh, he is a favorite guest of the Ringer's Philly special. <laughs> the Apple podcast comments uh, have told us as much. Uh, check out his work. Read it. What else are you going to be doing? You're listening to the podcast. You're, if you're this interested in the Eagles. Like EJ said, if you're listening this long, uh, you might as well, you know, go read the article. EJ's putting out good stuff there. So definitely check that out. All right. Thank you to EJ Smith of the Enquirer for joining me uh, i will come right back and i will be talking to chris ryan about the 76ers and we'll close out the show welcome back to the ringers philly special shield kapadia uh, still here we had to get some sixers talking today you know they're eight and three yes coming off a couple losses i was hoping maybe we could do this uh after a win they lose two to the pacers and the celtics this week but thrilled to have joining me the man chris ryan who i know has to have some sixers takes to fire off uh after this start right chris
1: yeah, she'll, Is it Sixers takes about what's happening on the court or off the court. <laughs> I know. Listen, I got a document you with some notes. I wasn't sure what do we lead, lead with. We'll get to all of
0: it. There, Yeah, weird stuff. Obviously, there's going to be some. It, they were too normal. They were too normal through like eight or nine games. It was like, oh, we have a normal team that's uh, fun to watch. There's going to be another shooter drop there. I don't know if there was uh, or if there wasn't. So we'll get to that. But I just wanted to get like a, a vibe check-in from you, Chris. 11 games in. How are you feeling uh, about this team? Again they're they're eight and three they start off eight and one they lose to the Celtics last night. they lost to the Pacers earlier this week. what are what are your before we zoom in on specific topics, what's just kind of your general feelings of, of this fan experience with this team?
1: I think if you are a sixers fan, you got to be pretty elated with where we're at. you know two losses in a row aside those are schedule losses in some ways. It's a shame uh, that Tournament Tuesday happens. The night before national TV Celtics night, uh, so you basically try to go for both of those games and wind up losing both. Sixers were a little shorthanded, so were the Celtics, but the Sixers were a little shorthanded coming into that uh, second night of a back to back. And look, like there are some I would wouldn't even call them red. I'd call them like maybe like a, a, a like a lavender flag <laughs> out there about hey non maxi minutes or <laughs> secondary ball handlers and all that stuff, and you know. There's cer- certainly reasons to be concerned, but the level of concern that we went into this season with, with Harden, with the kind of rot that seemed to be settling in on this team and the, the bad vibes and the, the the dark clouds, I still feel like have pretty much been alleviated and you just have to kind of get your mentality into, this is not the NFL. We do not have to freak out about every loss. We do not have to have... Uh, you know, a congressional hearing every time Embiid looks a little tired at the end of a game <laughs> in November. It's, it is it going to be what it's going to be. We're going to lose two. We're going to win two. We're going to win eight. We're going to lose three. It's going to happen that way. And And as long as you can kind of like go with the flow, get into that kind of long basketball season, I think everybody should be pretty happy with where we are. What about you?
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I felt the same way. I thought there was like a lot of panic and I don't know if negativity is the right word. Listen, when negativity is warranted, I'm more than happy to jump in. But I watched those two games this week and I'm like, those were what? One point games with four or five minutes left. Uh, It's not, they didn't get blown out in either one. We can get to some of the execution down the stretch, but I found it to generally be an enjoyable experience. You know, My biggest takeaway with this team and even with these two games this week is that like Everybody on the team, it feels like they're empowered to like have an impact. You know, yeah. it's it's like Tobias Harris is having stretches where you're just like, man, he looks really efficient and he's being aggressive here. De- De Anthony, I didn't think De'Anthony Melton was going to be like heat checking uh, in a game in the first month of the season. And last night he was just like, you know, get me the ball. I'm feeling it. And he's been on fire the last two weeks after a very slow start. And it has that feeling, which is the biggest difference to me from the team we saw last year. Where every player kind of goes out on the court and they're like, I matter, I'm ha- I can have an impact, I might get the ball here, I might score here. And it's just a different way to set up a team. you know it's like we've seen teams like last year's in the NBA be successful where they're very reliant on a couple guys and those guys are going to have high usage rates and they're going to dominate the ball. And then we've seen different teams and listen, there might be a time like a month or two from now where I'm like, don't, don't feel so empowered. You know, Robert Covington, yeah. uh, going at Al Horford <laughs> in like the final minute of a game. But for now I'm with you. Like your NFL comparison is a good one. This is what like two games into an NFL season yeah. is kind of what, uh, this comparison is like. So I found it fun. Like I look forward to watching them when they're on. I'm like, get pretty excited. I look ahead at the schedule. Hey, what games do they have this week? When are they playing? And in the past, you know, a couple of years, I just haven't felt the same way. So yeah, eight, eight and three, uh, even with the two losses this week, I'm kind of encouraged and enjoying this experience. And the other thing is my expectations aren't like they have to get to the finals. I'm just like, we'll see what happens. You know, they'll probably make a move in January or whatever. We'll see what they look like. But for now, I'm having
1: fun uh, watching them. It's also very encouraging to see how they've played against Boston so far this season. You know, I think that that's always been the boogeyman team, both within the ringer, psychologically for me personally, <laughs> but also in in basketball <laughs> in general. And I've been pretty satisfied with these games. You know, I think both both teams have probably existed in a Like, you know, the, the Celtics did not have their full strength team yesterday. The Sixers were missing Oubre and Batum who are essentially the two best wings on the team outside of Tobias right now. So, like, I would love to see full-strength Boston, full-strength Philly in a playoff series. feels inevitable. Uh, and you're right. Like, look, I was just—I'm sure this was probably past your bedtime on Tuesday on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, I was enjoying Tournament Tuesday and was watching the Clippers and the Nuggets. And the Clippers' offense was giving me PTSD. Watching Harden pound the ball for 14 seconds at the top of the key while all these (laughs) all-stars were spread out across the court waiting for him to make a decision. I was like, I cannot believe how much better it feels to watch basketball when this isn't happening. I can't believe how much nicer it is to watch, honestly, like objectively less talented players than Harden move the ball, play a little defense, Try to get some hostile plays, do some rebounding, and find the hot hand on any given night. Because on any given night, it's gonna be Batum, or it's gonna be Melton, or it's gonna be the the fourth guy is gonna emerge from that huge glut of sort of samey players that we have. But you know, uh, there there's like there was a feeling I had this week, and we could kind of talk about Kelly Kelly a little bit here. I think, which is on one hand we had about a week of good times. It was like the first week that Nick Nurse didn't have to answer James Harden questions and he gets a whole week of like, boy, you guys are kicking ass. And Maxi is he an all-star? Is he all NBA? Like, what are we looking at here? And, you know, the the Kelly stuff is hard. The Kelly stuff is like, but you're going to have to get up way earlier in the morning to freak a Sixers fan out after what we've been through (laughs) (laughs) in the last 10 years. Now, we can get into the Kelly stuff if you want to, but I just think like... It's funny how this team has gone through so many controversies and uh, conspiracies over the years. That you know, I, I, we've watched two number one draft picks forget how to shoot. You know, like the, the, you're gonna have to do a lot more to freak me out than a traffic incident.
0: Yeah, no, that yeah, there's there's. I mean, it, it felt like all right. This is uh, yeah, it it felt very sixery when it happened. Let us just get get into it. It it is weird, and I'm curious to hear. Your thoughts. So uh, obviously, you know, the news uh, comes out, whether it was last week or whatever, you know, you're sitting there at home and it's like, shoot, Kelly Oubre, you know, got struck uh, by a vehicle and is in the hospital. He's doing OK. But you're like, man, that sucks for the guy. He's playing awesome. He, You know, he's been fun to watch uh, so far. What happened here? Uh, and then it's like, OK, he's going to be out for a little while. And then just yesterday, um, and this is from the Inquirer, I want to make sure we, we get all the details right here. Police said they had no footage of Ubre getting hit near uh, where he said he got hit, which was near, I think, 15th and Spruce uh, was, was the area, the intersection where he said he got hit. Now, he had just moved to Center City like yeah. recently into an apartment. Um, and then the same story said, you know, he might have just not given the exact right location to the police cuz he doesn't know all the streets and all the neighborhoods and all uh the intersections in Philadelphia and then later in the night you get a uh, TMZ sports uh footage with it off a ring camera which uh listen that that uh freaked out some in the Capadia family they're like anyone can just get this ring, ring camera yes. footage how do they get this uh, you know of him walking into his apartment and telling people uh I think it was his wife that he got hit by a car and he's carrying a bike with him I could be wrong. I don't remember any mention of a bike. Uh, previously, he could have been walking the bike. He, you know, I don't know if he was riding the bike or whatever, but bottom line is uh, rib injury, has some hip and leg injuries, and then Woj comes on, I, I think during halftime, and it's like, hey, he's going to be back in uh, two to three weeks. So I don't know, my like gut reaction is just like, I'm the guy, I'm going to take the guy at his word that he got hit, you know, hit by a car and uh, that he doesn't, he didn't know exactly where he was and he was shaken up like that to me is very um, understandable. But um, yeah, some of the details of the initial reporting are not kind of what we have right now. I guess that that's why there's some um, sort of
1: confusion about it. I lived in Philadelphia for 19 years. I walked those streets every single day after school and I still can't remember what order spruce and pine come in. So it's entirely possible that Kelly Oubre could have gotten confused. Uh, this has been a very strange story. From the moment yeah. it broke where it sounded incredibly severe and scary, when Woj first sort of tweeted out, Kelly Oubre was hit by a car and is expected to miss significant time. You know, and it, it was like really, a really, uh, kind of bracing alert to get. Uh, especially obviously like the guy seems to be reviving his career in Philadelphia and everybody seems to love him. When Maxi scored 50, he immediately dedicates the game to Kelly and like keeps deflecting when they're trying to talk to him about the performance, just to talk about how much he loves Kelly Oubre. Um, saw Steph Curry, you know, taking time out of a press conference about his injury to talk about Kelly Oubre. So obviously a guy who's got friends in the league and, and seems to have really ingratiated himself into Philadelphia sports really quickly. Uh, it's a strange story. I think in our day and age, we're naturally suspicious of these things. And I think when you start to get into the realm of, like, leaked ring cameras, footage that would seem to corroborate what Kelly Oubre was saying, you start to get into, like, okay, like, people are trying to put out fires, people are trying to tamp down rumors, all this different stuff. I know that uh, someone at a press conference asked Nick Nurse, like, you know, basically, are, are you confident in the version of events that you've gotten from Kelly? And like, were he not to be telling the truth? Would that have, you know, would that be a, affect, you know, how you felt about this situation? And he was like, yes, but I'm telling taking Kelly at his word, uh, paraphrasing. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to do the Nick Nurse yeah. plan, which is like, I'm not going to get too worked up about this until uh, something else comes out. And honestly, if I was like, hey, I got hit by, uh, I got sideswiped by a car, you know, I, I would want people to take me at my words. I'm going to do it for Kelly Oubre. And also, I, I do wonder, you mentioned the bicycle. Like, I wonder if he's not supposed to be riding a bicycle in downtown lo- like Philadelphia contractually. Like, there's lots of rules against what guys are and aren't supposed to do in their free time so that they don't get injured. So, I don't know. I mean, there, there, there's a lot of things that could, could be in, in, in embedded in this. But right now, I'm trying to take 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 it at face value, which is very difficult in 2023. Yeah,
0: no, that, that's where I'm at. I mean, the rumor started flying and uh, like, who if there's new information, we will, you know, we can update our opinions. Like you said, with Nick Nurse, I think the weird part was, it was like, this was in the Philadelphia Inquirer and it was like, quote, like police were, be, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, law enforcement sources were the ones being quoted that like, there's no, you know, like, like that kind of made something out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that felt weird. Like, why are they, you know, like,
1: what well, does and that it mean? It was kind of like, I couldn't tell what... <sighs> You know what I mean? Like I, I think you and I have been doing this for a long enough time that like when you see certain things in the paper, if you see a certain piece of reporting come out, you know that the reporting is actually like the tip of the iceberg. That right. the reporting is the first salvo of saying like, "Hey, that's pretty weird," and then the next thing, and then the next thing. You know, and yeah. I, 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 I hope for Kelly's sake and for the Sixers' sake and for everybody's sake that that's not the case here. It, it was a strange piece to come out where it was. It seemed like there was there was just uh, there were actual like it was it wasn't even behind the scene uh, uh, off the record it was like an official yeah, spokesperson the record, right. for the Philadelphia PD saying hey we've checked like store footage now i thought that the headline versus the piece itself there was a little bit of a discrepancy not a discrepancy but like the headline was a little bit more like salacious whereas the piece was just like we don't doubt something happened to him he may have gotten confused about where he was and so we have to reconfigure where we're looking but right now, given what he told us, we can't find any footage about, about it, like a hit and run incident.
0: Yeah, it's, um, there's obviously, I, I think Rich Hoffman wrote in his newsletter, like this led like action news yeah. last night, which yeah. is like, wait, what? <laughs> if, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Well, and listen, if you're Kelly Oubre, like what you said happened is actually what happened. You're kind of like, what is happening here? Like yeah. I got hit by a car, like show a little empathy uh, for me here. So um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, all right. Getting back to some of the encore stuff. I just wanted to, you know, you, you alluded to some of this uh, kind of in the open there. Just other takeaways from the, the two games here uh, against the Pacers and the Celtics. I mean, the big, you know, I, I thought uh, against Indiana, it was kind of like, you know. It just felt like one of those games that happens throughout the course of an 82-game season. You just played them. They play that style. They're going up and down the court. and beat has 39. He's fouling out everybody. Uh, but then, I don't know if he runs out of gas. They didn't execute well down the stretch. There's no doubt about it. Maxi didn't have a, a great game, maybe for uh, the first time all season. Um, and then there's the Boston one, which probably is worth talking about uh, a little bit more. And you mentioned it, the non-Maxi minutes, this yeah. is like becoming a big story. I mean, Joel Embiid is a minus 25 in that game where, you know, individual plus minus is not always telling, but you look at the lineups that are out there with Joel Embiid in that game. I mean, Marcus Morris, uh, Pat bad they just like have absolutely nothing there And for years the discussion around the Sixers has been like, when Embiid's on the bench, how do you survive those minutes? You know, there right. was that I think it was the series against the Raptors where it was just like mind-boggling numbers with or without Embiid. Right now, I was just looking at, you know, cleaning the glass this morning, like their numbers are totally fine. Great. When Embiid's on the bench and Maxi's on the court and it's the reverse. When Maxi's on the bench and it's Embiid with this not great, you know, group of uh backups, they can't do anything. Even in that game against the Celtics, they had, what, a 10-0 run when Embiid was on the bench in the first half. Uh, And then in the second half, they had another uh, good run with Maxi, Melton, Springer, uh, Tobias Harris, and Paul Reed out there. So I don't know if there's a fix to it. Just kind of what do you make about that? Is it small sample? Is there a fix on the roster? Is this like, shoot, they need to do something uh, and do something quick? Where where are you with that? Because it obviously is an issue.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, a couple of things. One is, I do think Batum helps. I think Batum is a guy who can swing between both Embiid non-maxi minutes and maxi non-Embiid minutes. He can be the kind of the glue connecting guy. I think he's he's an adept passer who can take some of the stress off of a non-maxi point guard in any kinds of things. I was listening to the rights to Ricky Sanchez today, and Mike and uh, Levin and Caitlin Cooper were talking about how Batum might be the best entry passer uh that the Sixers have had in 40 years you know like this is a thing that's been haunting the Sixers for a very long time I I laughed very hard when I heard them say that and then was like (laughs) are they right is it or at least since Eric Snow like I don't even know um look I think that Daryl Morey will upgrade at the backup point guard position at some point in the season and I think that that is actually a position that will be in abundance uh come Come January is the Alex Caruso esque. I mean, there might actually be like a full-on bidding war for Alex Caruso. It feels like that. It's so funny. This happens in the NBA where like a guy gets mentioned, and then
0: all of a sudden I'm like, wait, is this guy like the most valuable player in the like I always Well, he can literally know by
1: every single good team uh, yeah. from Denver down to the 16th. You know, it's like yeah. the top 16 teams in the league could use Alex Caruso tomorrow. Uh yeah. regardless of what Daryl does, I think that we are seeing the limitations of Pat Beverly. Like he is. Uh, it's by all accounts and like by by all appearances like a really good like locker room competitive edge like fire guys up can give you like hustle plays and play a little bit of defense but I do not think he can like run the secondary units offense really like it, with any kind of uh, within touching distance of what Maxi can do so we need someone who can who can capably run the offense and then I think is also not a pushover on defense which is the most important thing which is why Alex Caruso is probably going to net. Like a first round draft pick or something for the Bulls, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a test of what Daryl wants to do. And then there's been this sort of debate within Sixers circles about star hunting versus role players, and this idea that we are eight and three and look the best we've looked in several years uh, with Embiid, Maxi, Toby, and role players. So do we keep can you know basically? tinkering with what's the role player chemistry that we want? Who's the guy? What's the, what, what guy can we get here or there that might improve things? Caruso probably being like the best role player in the NBA almost, or do we want to go out and look for another third star, which I think after listening to doc on, on Bill's pod the other day, I'm like, I don't really want to spook Tobias again. Like it sounds, it seems like everything yeah. has settled in the offensive hierarchy in a place that works really well, where it's, it's Embiid and Maxi, and then Tobias gets third third option. And when those one of those guys is off, can get first or second options. I think that we should keep that going the way it is in, in a lot of ways until told otherwise. Now, if the Sixers come back to earth in the next six weeks and we go into Christmas and we're closer to five hundred or a couple of games over, maybe we're having a different conversation. But right now, getting some separation from the Eastern Conference and pretty much keeping pace with Boston, like I don't really see the the urgency, you know. I'm with you. Yeah, I I feel
0: the same way. I mean, they're fourth in offensive rating right now. Again, it's it's 11 games in. Everything uh, is a small sample. Everything can change. Even if you look at like the losses this week. I mean, if you're just looking at the numbers, like that was an above average game against the Celtics last night. If you just look at like league wide offensive efficiency and that's against a team with just like two absurdly annoying lockdown guards uh, you're going against in Derek White and Drew Holiday. So I feel the same way. I mean, Tobias Harris is playing so efficiently right now. I mean, he's, he's averaging almost 20 a game, shooting 57% uh, from the field. So yeah, I I definitely, when I'm hearing those conversations, I'm more on the side of like, I don't know that you want to like mess up what these stars are doing right now. I think if you can be more versatile and have more depth and get more uh, better role players who can, who can fill those spots, um, that's definitely the way uh, I would be leaning. So I'm with you there. Now, did, when you watched uh the Pacers game, were, were you saying bring bring TJ McConnell home? Was that uh <laughs> p- popping in your head? Uh or no as he was running away. Helping Joel and Ben Simmons for Tyrese Salaver. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I was thinking of you, you had the hilarious last time we potted where you were yelling that and watching that game, I was just like, oh my gosh, could there be a more perfect fit? Kind of what they need, just a general to calm
1: things down at the end of games. And And who knows whether or not Tyrese's explosion, how that impacts Maxie. like, there, everything happens for the reasons it happens, but yeah,
0: yeah, that was that was the guy. So, it wasn't you were like, "Eh, Yeah, TJ McConnell, fine. I mean, TJ's
1: an example (laughs) of a guy that I feel like will probably be pretty (laughs) readily available, um, in the later, like, at the trade deadline. I, I also think that. There will probably be dudes all over the league that we can kind of, like, look at. I mean, you know, I, I it, right now, everybody thinks that they're a play-in team, so you're going to have yeah. a hard time convincing the Orlandos or the San Antonio. I mean, San Antonio, I don't know, but the Memf- Memphis is a great example of a team that it, if they find out when Ja comes back that they're having the same struggles, who knows who's up for grabs there, you know? Who knows whether yeah. or not, like... Uh, candidly like i don't know marcus smart is like uh, up in the air i mean like i i don't know but like i could see we could see them moving around on a lot of guys
0: yeah no that's a good one all right on a positive note with the lineup that lineup with maxi melton springer Tobias Harrison, Paul Reed. I mean, the energy, like, it's like a chaos. When Paul Reed and Jaden Springer are out there, that's an anything-can-happen lineup. Like, they could turn it over three times in a row. They could just go on a 10-0 run. Where are you on sort of the, uh, I feel like Jaden, there's always a guy every year where the fan base is just like, play this guy more, I want to see more. And that's so obviously Jaden Springer um, right now. Where are you on kind of that level of everybody calm down versus is the the guy on the court more? Jaden
1: Springer loses us five games, like, in the next three months, I'm fine. Like this is the time yeah. of year to experiment with this kind of stuff. Um, I think that w- during that win streak, I was getting a little bit carried away with like we need to win every game, like we need to keep keep going, keep going. And 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 now I think I'm like, okay, we lost two. It is what it is. We've got like Ubre's in and you know out Batum's in and out of the lineup. You know, like let's just like let's play the guys we have and see who we have and see what Nick can do with these guys. So Jaden is like a great example of like. Honestly, it's been a minute since like we've had a bouncy young player like this uh, who we drafted. I mean, I, I think Paul Reed was sort of like the the clubhouse favorite among Sixers sickos of wanting to see him get some playing time, and now and now Jaden is sort of approaching that, and to see them playing together is actually really exciting, and they give the team a little bit of bounce and a little bit of a different look.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, they came out kind of lethargic and didn't have a lot of energy in the first quarter. And then those guys come in and yeah, Springer had a couple turnovers. He also picked Jason Tatum and went to the other end and had a dunk. Like, yeah, if you can have some of those plays, I I want to see more. It's a long season. Again, we have to remind ourselves. Coaches, I think, have to remind themselves themselves of that, especially- I bet it uh, it feels like a long season
1: to Nick Nurse already. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) I know
0: he's like, I'm eight and three,
1: but my he's God. Like, Don't you guys want to hear me play guitar or something? Like, is there anything I can talk about that's not is, this controversial?
0: Is he breaking out the NN logo? You I haven't the seen NN? it yet. I okay. haven't seen it yet. Because yeah. when they were eight and one, I was ready. I was about to Google and just be like, I'm wearing this for all yeah. uh, Ringer video appearances here <laughs> uh, going forward. So I, I want to I uh, keep an eye on that. If anyone has a hookup uh, with the NN, let me know. All right. Last things I wanted to finish with here. Chris, you mentioned earlier about like, you know, on the West Coast, you, you're watching um, the Clippers on the east coast so my viewing experience right now and this changes after football season but right now like a lot of times at 7 I'm uh you know like recording a podcast or writing or something and so I've gotten in this habit of I will record the game I will turn my phone over I will finish whatever work I need you know say goodnight to the kids and then I go on the couch and I watch the game on delay and the efficiency of watching these games uh that are recorded Chris is unbelievable you fast forward every commercial halftime and beats shooting 19 free throws. Guess what? I don't need to watch all those. I can watch the, you know, the free Chick-fil-A ones in the fourth quarter if I want a little um, excitement in my life, but I can like get through these games in, I don't know. I have to, I'm going to time the next one. I swear. It's It's like 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 shorter
1: than an episode of Survivor, isn't
0: it? Yeah. yeah, I think it's like 60 to 80 minutes I'm getting through um, an entire game. How do you consume these games? Because they're on at, what, 4, 4.30, your time on the West Coast. Are you generally watching live? Do you like watching on delay? Do you, are yeah, you like, I mean, sure, I, that's around that's when I, terrible? if I've
1: been at the office, that's typically when I get home is around then. So I'll just throw it on and kind of have it on as a nightlight as the game starts, you know, and like not really think about it, but like. Walk back and forth across the television as I'm doing stuff when I get home, and then yeah. really lock in as the game kind of gets going. And it also depends on the, the the opponent and the you know the atmosphere and the, like you know whether or not it, it feels consequential. But you know, I, I I think sometimes I'll I'll skip a Pistons game or a Hornets game, but like if it's somebody like pretty important, I'll get, I'll get locked in early. Otherwise, it's just a really fun thing. I mean, it's the same thing with the Phillies where you can kind of come home. And they're in the third inning and you're like, oh, this is great. Like, I just have Bryce around for the next two hours. I would like to, I I mean, if I miss the Sixers game, I watch it in the fashion that you do. Or sometimes I watch some of the NBA.com or the League Pass puts together like the, basically like the the really condensed versions of the game. Sometimes they're nine minutes. You can also choose a longer one. So that's how I typically watch it. Um, But the national games, I I try to make like a really big point of, of watching.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I does anyone else do this? Am I weird for doing this? I'm like, this kind of, is adding some efficiency to my life, uh, doing it this Bef- way. All that's
1: right. how I watch premier league games is I tape them. And then I watch them in the morning before I let you go okay. really quick. Cause I got to go do the watch, but I wanted to find yeah. out, are you pro or con the tournament courts for the Sixers?
0: I mean, I don't have a strong feeling. I know you like them. I know some, it It definitely took a while for my eyes to get used to it. Like, yeah. it, like eight, eight, the first eight minutes of the game. I'm like, what is happening here by the second half? I don't even notice. You, you like it though, right? You like I, the court. I thought that the Sixers
1: one was pretty cool. I mean, absolutely <laughs> bananas, like totally crazy, but, <laughs> yeah. but pretty cool. Yeah.
0: It's different. At least, you know, it's like something's different. I don't I don't, I don't mind when they try stuff like that. So last night, yeah. Last night almost felt sort of boring. Well, oh, it's like a normal yeah, court. Just, What's uh, <laughs> happening here? Yeah. So, there you go. All right. Thank you to Chris for joining me. This was fun. We'll be on uh, periodically here. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. I'll be back with Solak on Monday night. Eagles Chiefs will be doing the postgame pie uh, after that game. Until then, everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing. And we'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly special. Go Birds. must be 21 plus and present in select states FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee and Virginia Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY in New York.